Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hello, church. Hello, all locations. What's up? What's going on? Hello, everybody. My name is Derek, and I have the privilege of being the worship pastor here at the Block Church. And I'm so excited to share with you today, and I'm just excited to be here. Uh, I thought about just singing the whole time, but <laughs> Pastor Joey would probably be a little upset, so I'm, I'm actually going, going to preach. Uh, I have a question for you. Who loves great customer service? And man, pretty, pretty dumb question, but I love great customer service, but I also strongly dislike bad customer service. Now, I want to apologize for anyone who's been with me, and if you've ever witnessed me during a time I was having bad customer service, it is not my shining moment. It is not the area that I want to see people be, see me as a pastor in that moment, because I can tend to get a little petty. Uh, and so, and it's not, you know, I understand every day is not going to be a great day for people. You're not going to always be walking on sunshine. However, if in our first interaction, me as the customer, you in the, as the employee, if I wave and say hello, and you look back at me with a scowl and a look of confusion, then I already know we're off to a bad start, and this is probably not going to end well. And so before it escalates to a place that we don't need it to, I'm probably just going to slip up my hand and say those famous words, can I speak to your manager? Come on, somebody. <laughs> and it's not because I want to get you fired, but it's because I realize that you have limited power and you have limited authority. And so I want to speak to the person who has the power and the authority to answer the questions I have and to make the decisions that I've been requesting. And so in that same way, I recognize there's levels to this, there's power to this, there's power, uh, there's levels to power. But what I love about being a follower of Jesus is that while Jesus is supreme in all authority, he's supreme in all power, maker of heaven and earth, he created everything above all gods, above all nations, above all worlds. But yet we as followers of Jesus and heirs to his kingdom have the same access to the authority that he has. And so that's what I want to teach on today, the principles of authority. Can you say that with me? Principles of authority. And so authority by definition is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. You'll find that the word authority is used about 100 times in the Bible. And what's fascinating is in the Old Testament, it's only seen a few times, but in the New Testament, that's where you see the majority of the usage. And why could this be? Well, since the beginning of human time, since the fall of Adam and Eve, God had a plan of redemption in his son. And so when Jesus came, the proper authority was reestablished in the earth. And so when I knew that I would be preaching, I began to ask God what he wanted me to preach on. Typically when I preach, we're in a series, there's already a theme, but apparently Pastor Joey has run out of things to preach about, and so here we are. That's my lick back for last week. If you know, you know. And so I began to pray and ask God what he wanted me to preach on, 
And I didn't get some uh, scripture or some phrase. He simply said the word authority. And that resonated so deeply with me because my heart is often burdened for believers who don't walk or take their rightful place in the kingdom because they don't recognize the authority that they've been given access to. And so as a result, we accept things we don't have to, we tolerate the enemy's tactics more than we need to, and we don't access the authority that Jesus invites us into. So for a few moments, I wanna encourage some and remind others of whose we are and who we are and to stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. But before we go into the scripture, I wanna give us a little background, a little context. So Jesus is in the height of his ministry. He's going from town to town. He's performing miracles. He's casting out demons. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. He's sharing the message and people are accepting the message of Jesus. And the disciples, they're getting to witness all of this firsthand. I want you to think about all the things that they just witnessed. They see Jesus calm the storm. They see him cast out demons. They see him raise the little girl that was dead to life, and they see him cure the woman with the issue of blood. But now Jesus being such a great savior, he recognizes at the time that he's going to be with his disciples, the gap is shortening because he's about to go to the cross. And so he wants to equip his disciples in a new way. And we pick up at Luke chapter nine, verse one through six. Let's read this. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Here's the first point. Authority comes with instruction. I mean, can you think of any place of authority or any formal place of leadership of healthy leadership that does not come with some role description? Think about the job you have or a job that you may have had that has come with a level of authority, whether you're a key holder or opener or a closer or director or a supervisor, whatever level of authority attached to that role, it comes with some sense of parameters, some guidelines, some instructions. And so in the same way, we see in verse one that Jesus gives the disciples authority, but in the very next verse, he gives them instructions on how to use that authority, which then leads us to believe that any authority outside of the parameters of which Jesus prescribes is not real authority at all. In fact, anything outside of Jesus is just a false sense of authority and a false sense of power. And I love that Jesus did not just call the 12, but he also gave them the power to do what he called them to do. And the same is true today. Whom God calls, he also equips. And so for every person in the room, God has given you a unique calling. And at times you feel like, man, can I even stand in this? But what you need to know is that as sure as God has called you, he has given you the power to walk out the calling that he's assigned over your life. And it may not be evident right away, but as you begin, as you start, you will see the power of God. And so what does biblical authority represent? 
Well, it represents two things. We see Jesus in his ministry always doing two things. He's always healing the sick and he's also always casting out demons. You see him healing the sick and you see him casting out demons because his authority represents healing and it represents the kingdom of God. Healing represented the kindness and the mercy of God. People who were often sick, they were cast out. You think about the woman with the issue of blood. She could not be in society. She was probably at her last resort. And here comes Jesus extending kindness and mercy to her. Then when you think about the scenario of casting out demons, that was God showing his sovereignty. Nobody else had that kind of power where they could drive out that force. But here comes Jesus doing the impossible. So his kindness and his mercy paired with the sovereignty creates the authority, which both represents his character and the character of his kingdom. And what I love about this is that God's authority just does not come with an iron fist. But when his authority comes, it comes to meet a tangible and physical need. See, Jesus didn't just send his disciples to present a message, but when he sent his disciples, he sent them to bless the entire being. In verse three, Jesus told the disciples to take nothing for the journey. Some of us might look at that verse and say, well, Jesus wanted the disciples to be broke. (laughs) But that's not what that means. There was a rule among the rabbis of the day that you could not enter the temple area with a staff, shoes, or a money bag because you wanted to avoid even the appearance of being engaged in any other business than service of the Lord. The disciples were engaged in such holy work, preaching the gospel and bringing God's healing, that they could not give the impression that they had any other motive. And so traveling light kept them dependent upon God. You think about it, if you don't take much, then you have to trust God for everything. And it is impossible to preach about a God or trusting in a God that you don't first know how to trust yourself. So then we pick up at Luke chapter nine, seven through nine. And it says, now Herod, the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. So Herod is confused because he thought that he ended the plan. He thought that he had ultimately won the battle. And now he's hearing all this noise about this guy named Jesus performing miracles. Jesus is on the scene and his name is ringing bells. And I love that last line of the verse. It says, and he tried to see him. Think about this. Herod had not even come in physical contact with Jesus, yet he knew who Jesus was. So what does that tell us? It brings us to our second point, that authority welcomes opposition. See, it can't be true if it's not tested. And it's typical for us as humans to desire a life full of ease, a life full of comfort. We want to dip our toes in the sand, 365, 24-7. We want victories without any opposition. You know the phrase, every time I turn around, it's always something? I saw a meme that said, every time I turn around, it's always something, so I'm going to stop turning around. (laughs) And that's so funny. But the truth is, many of us live our lives that way. We stop taking spiritual and natural ground because we have battle fatigue. 
And we have battle fatigue because we're fighting in our own strength and we're not fighting with the power and the authority that Jesus has given to us. How many of us have said, well, God, if, if this blessing that you want to give me, if this call that you say I have, if this thing that you want me to walk into comes with a fight, then I don't want it. How many of us have said that to God? But the reality is he never promised us that this life would be easy. He never promised us that this life would be full of comfort. In fact, Jesus told us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so while it won't be easy, you can take pride in the fact that you have a savior who has already defeated the battle that you are presently in. Mm. Peter, 1 Peter 2.21 says, but if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it. This is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, don't misunderstand. Every moment of your life is not meant to be hard. Every moment of your life won't be hard. You will have some, some breaks in the journey, if you will. But you're sadly mistaken if you think authority is about sitting in a high chair in some back office calling the shots. This kind of authority requires you to roll up your sleeves every now and then and to engage in the battle and the war that's going on spiritually. What does that look like for us? Well, it requires us to pray. It requires us to intercede. It requires us to worship. It requires us to rebuke the enemy. That's the kind of fight that we're in. So authority requires endurance like a good soldier. And we see this in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 6, where Paul says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Basically what it's saying, you don't obtain the crown of the kingdom unless you engage in the battles of the kingdom. And the only way to win the battle is to exercise the authority given to you by the power of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Many of us want to sit on the sidelines and we want the participation trophy. And it's not the way it works. We have been given an assignment from heaven to stand in the authority, not in our own strength and not so that we can be seen, but so that the kingdom of heaven can be brought to earth and people can see that there is a real God who has real power to do the immovable, to do the impossible. Let me break it down for you even more. No cross, no crown. Don't you know that the enemy is aware of the authority that you possess? Don't you know that he's aware of all the potential that God has placed on the inside of you? And so that's why he fights and comes at you so hard because he knows if you ever get a grasp on what you have, if you ever get a grasp on what God has given to you, if you ever get a grasp of the power that you have, that you will do damage to his kingdom. So he will do anything to blockade you. He will do anything to distract you. He will do anything to hinder you. Anything to make you understand or anything that keeps you from knowing the power that God has given to you. So you have to know his schemes. You got to know his tactics. 
And guess what? They're age old. It's nothing new. The Bible tells us he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your authority. But if you know whose you are and who you are, it'll never work. So as we look back at Luke, the disciples are going out and they're doing the work of the Lord. They're coming back and they're seeing the miracles happen. But Jesus here a second time predicts his death or tells them that he's going to go to the cross. And he does this for a few reasons. He does it because he wants to prepare them for life without him. And they also want to prepare, he also wants to prepare them for the work of advancing his kingdom. And so as they preach the gospel, more followers are being added. And so Jesus now equips 72 more disciples and he sends them out. He gives them the very same instruction. They go out and then we pick up at Luke chapter 10, 17 through 20. And this is what's happened. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, when I read this, I was tripping a little bit because as as great as it is, like, oh, yeah, trampling on snakes and all of that. I put myself in the disciples' shoes, and I want you to do the same thing. Think about it. Jesus, you've been with him. You've seen him perform miracles and casting out demons and seeing all kind of wild stuff. And then he comes at you, and he's like, hey, you're going to do the same thing. You're probably like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I didn't sign up for this. But he's Jesus, so you're not going to turn him down. You just follow what he says. So you actually do what he's called you to do. You go out. You're healing the sick. You're casting out demons. You're seeing miracles perform. And you come back to Jesus. You're so excited. And I could just imagine they're probably like running from afar, like, oh, my God, Jesus is going to be so excited. He's going to be so excited we did this one. They run like Pastor Matt. <laughs> and they get there. And like, Jesus, we did it. And imagine Jesus just looks at them with a straight face and go, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I'll be like, wait, Jesus, this is not the time for parables. <laughs> I'm out of breath. <laughs> I just did what you told me to do. And that's what you give me? Like, no, Jesus, we did it. He goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I think this moment happened not because Jesus was not proud of them, but I think he understood and knew his creation and how quickly we're driven to pride. And so he wanted to caution them before they got themselves into self-celebration. Do you know why? Because here's our third point. Authority must be rooted in humility. These 72 disciples learned that when we boldly do what Jesus tells us to do, we can anticipate that he will bless us in ways beyond our expectation. Now, to their credit, they did say they did it in Jesus' name. They were smart enough not to take the credit for themselves. They were smart enough to give Jesus the glory. They knew it was the power and the authority of Jesus. It's a great reminder for us. I love this quote by Meyer. It says, be sure to rely not on numbers or organization, but on the name of Jesus. Used not as a charm, but as representing his living and ascendant might. You see, the authority that God has given us is not to be worn as a badge of honor, 
but it should be a living testament to the power and the active living power of the living God. Spurgeon says this quote, and I love it so much. He says, so where the gospel is preached with divine power, Satan comes down from his throne in human hearts and human minds as rapidly as the lightning flash falls from heaven. And when we see his kingdom shaken, then like Jesus, we rejoice in his spirit. You know, every time we walk in authority, it's another judgment against Satan's kingdom. Every time we pray for healing for someone and they receive healing, it's another reminder to Satan that his affliction is temporary. Every time we pray someone into salvation and they accept Jesus, it's another reminder to Satan and his kingdom that hell has lost another one. See, it wasn't wrong for them to rejoice in the success of their service, but there must be a greater joy in a greater miracle, which is the promise of their own salvation. And so I want to caution us all because it's very easy to become emotionally intoxicated after successful service unto the Lord or after the display of power. After God uses us, it's very easy to become arrogant and impressed with all we've done for God. But God wants us to see and he wants us to always know that what he's done for us will far exceed anything we could ever do for him on our best day. And it's not wrong to take joy in your gifts and your success and your talents. But all of that fades in comparison to knowing Jesus, to being loved by him and loving him. You know why that's important? Because Judas performed miracles. Judas cast out demons. Judas saw the great works. And look where he ended up. See, it's not just enough to have the authority. You have to be in love with the giver of authority. That's the way, that's the protocol of how this thing works. This is not a name and claim it type of gospel. This is a Jesus. This is your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about boldly proclaiming what we want, our agenda, our plans. This authority is backed by the kingdom of heaven and it is written in his word. That's the power that we're standing in. See, power to become the children of God is to be valued more than the power to perform miracles. So in Luke 10, 21 through 23, Jesus says, or at the time, at that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. See, here's the fourth point. Authority is our inheritance. 
I love that Jesus said there are many people that wanted to see it and wanted to hear it, but you have been welcomed into the family. Do you know what you have access to? Do you know what your eyes are able to see? Do you know what your ears are able to hear? And that's what makes the kingdom of God so important because you have tools in your tool belt and you don't even know what they are. Some of you know what that feels like. You got a toolkit at home, you don't even know it. You're like, okay, I got the hammer, I got the, I got the, the, the screw, the drill. <laughs> but there's so many other things in that toolkit. If only you would take the time to see what they are and to see what they're used for, I guarantee you it would probably make your life a little bit easier in a lot of ways. You see, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives on the inside of every believer. We see this in Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's the kind of God you serve. That's our inheritance. We serve a God whose authority is above all authority, whose name is above every name, whose power is above all power. We serve a God whose sovereignty crushes the head of the enemy under his feet. We serve a God that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm here to remind you the same power has been given to you. But every now and then, we find ourselves in a fight in our lives. And we're taking hit after hit and blow after blow, ultimately bracing ourselves for defeat. But all it takes is one reminder of whose you are and who you are to fuel you so that you can fight, you can get in the fight and you can win the battle. It reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite movies. I'm not a Marvel fan, but I love Black Panther for obvious reasons. If you don't know those obvious reasons, see me after so we can talk. <laughs> but I love that movie and there's a scene where Prince T'Challa, he is going into his ceremony to become the king. And out of the shadows comes this contender named M'Baku from a neighboring tribe. And M'Baku feels that he would be a more suitable king than Prince T'Challa. And so they begin to engage in a fight and in a battle. And you know what's happening in the scene because you sense the nervousness. It, all, it goes from celebration to fear and nervousness because M'Baku is seemingly taller and he's seemingly wider and stronger in stature. And so all of the witnesses, they're just a little bit nervous because this enemy, he looks a little big. He looks a little scary. I trust in, in the prince, but this guy looks a little big. And so they engage in this battle. And at the start, it's going fair. It's going even. 
But then all of a sudden, M'Baku begins to dominate. So much so that the prince just is bracing himself. He's getting hit after hit. He's bloody. He's not even fighting back. He's hurled over. And all of a sudden, a shout from the distance from his mom. And she says, show him who you are. And in an instant, he whips his head back and he strikes M'Baku in the head and he's dominating the fight. But M'Baku was not going down with the fight. He took his sword and he punctured T'Challa in his chest. And that would have been a really good moment for T'Challa to say, well, I fought as hard as I could. I've done all I could do, but I'm probably going to end here. But you know what he did? He said, I am Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa. And it's almost like the declaration of who he was and who he belonged to gave him the strength to take the sword out of his chest. And then he began to dominate M'Baku, ultimately defeating him and taking his rightful place as king. And I just want to encourage you right now, you you might be in the fight of your life. You might be taking hit after hit and blow after blow. Your enemy might seem real big. Your enemy might seem real strong. But you, I just want to encourage you to show the enemy who you are. Show the enemy who you are and declare that I am a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the most high God. He's given me power to trample over serpents. He's given me power to cast out demons. He's given me power to heal the sick. He's given me power to preach the message of hope to those that are lost. That's the kind of God we serve. And that's the kind of authority that he's given to every believer that follows and calls out to his name. Aren't you glad about it today, church? Aren't you glad about it today, church? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.